episode 52 of Between Two Wheels podcast, cycling news, commentary, analysis, and interviews from Northern California. This episode is brought to you by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com slash BTW to support the show and learn more. And as always, subscribe and share the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, TuneIn, whatever podcast service you use. And for this week, we're also once again back on our Between Two Wheels podcast YouTube channel as well. Interactive with us on Facebook page by searching Between the Number Two Wheels. And the links will be in the show notes and found in the description of the feed now but again very small things just like what you'd see when you go downtown to do your shopping this is not Caffold Alhambra it's difficult to make the move here and ride away from riders but Dilliard is there still taking turns still riding they have a minute on those behind it's going to be either the Swiss champion or the world champion it's going to be Sylvain Dilliard oh it's going to be for the first time at Paris-Roubaix the one that Sagan told us here at Eurosport the other day that he wanted to win the cobblestone Paris-Roubaix it's one more right turn then onto the track and here we are last bend coming up Sagan has him right where he wants him at the minute but where is the moment that he launches his sprint and there is Sagan who dives down Sagan hits the front but can he stay there it is Peter Sagan it is his moment it is going to be the world champion in Roubaix for the first time since 81 it's Peter Sagan Hello, I'm Tyler Yonke. I'm one of your hosts for the Between Two Wheels podcast, joined again by Kurt and Chris. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Doing just well. Good. Excited to uh, excited to be here. Yeah. Did you get to watch? So. Did you get to watch some cycling over the weekend? I did. I caught um, a better part of Perry Bay, so it was, a, it was a fun race to watch. I always like to wake up early and catch that one. Yeah, and we'll get into that show here. And Kurt, um, welcome back from the dead and joining us. You skipped out on two episodes. How do you feel about that? I feel feel fine. You guys did great. Um, I really liked the last episode, in fact. so Tell us what you liked most about the last episode. <laughs> the fact that you lost 10 balls and still shot a 78. I, I'm, I'm amazed by that. Once again, I didn't say what I shot, but I did tell you offline. I didn't say on the show what I shot. Oh, okay. Well, you, you said you still shot and well. And then I, I did. I shot amazingly well. And, and you know, and I've had, I think Spar is actually 71 up there, which makes it a little difference. A lot of, I could go through this point by point, <laughs> how you can get like four or five birdies. You can get uh, up and down on half of those lost balls and maybe a bogey on the other and boom, <laughs> there you go. There you have it. There was, yeah, some real friendly official rulings. So we'll have to go play golf again and see what happens. So, oh, friendly rulings. Yeah. Everything's stroke and distance. Okay. <laughs> All right, so those who didn't, uh, this is going to be a Masters show, actually. We're going to talk about the, <laughs> the Masters. Kurt, you, did you watch the Masters? I watched some of it, yeah, for sure. Who were you pulling for? Uh, I was pulling for Tiger Woods. Okay. It didn't, didn't work go out so too well, well though. No. <laughs> so you stopped watching like midday Thursday or so? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it was good that he made it to the weekend, had a, a decent Sunday, got into, I think he was just hit, hit a 69 on Sunday, so that's good. Of course, the Tiger Slam. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you watched the Masters, I'm sure. And who were you pulling for? Uh, I, you know, I didn't really have anybody in particular I was pulling for. Um, I always like to see Dustin Johnson do well, and uh, as the um, 
as the tournament played out, I was starting to pull a little bit for for McElroy and Spieth just because they were making a good comeback. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was good to see Spieth make it. You know, uh, your Dustin Johnson connection is that because of his um, tie-in with Gretzky and no. Gretzky's daughter no. and the the issues he had on tour a few years ago. No. Did you guys hear about that Patrick Reed guy? Oh man, he's a he won. Well, he, he did, did win, yeah, yeah. but did you hear about his history? He's got a troubled past. No, all I heard was they called him Captain America. <laughs> he does have a troubled past. That's why I was rooting for Tiger Woods. I didn't like that Patrick <laughs> Reed guy. Um, oh, is he worse than, than Tiger? Depends on... Uh, Do we have to take this offline? No. Is this a family-friendly show? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, he just he, his college days, it seemed like he, he maybe... You know, in golf, you don't cheat, right? And he was accused of it and accused oh, in by, golfing. yeah, accused by his own teammates, in fact. So on more than one occasion. Correct. Uh-huh. So like yeah. what? What was he doing? Like uh, go out into the rough and you see a ball and <laughs> it looks like it's in a better spot than your ball. So you're going to play that as your ball. Yeah. Why don't you improve your uh, lie there? Right. Uh, it's basically you could like hit a 96 and then you know, a card a 78 with his Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judge Smells. I think I'd just go ahead and kick that over. Uh, fudge a few numbers here yeah. on the scorecard, signing for incorrect scores. Well, that, that never happens yeah. with cycling. So we haven't no. seen any of that. There was, uh, we talked about Pro, uh, Primus <laughs> Roglic last time, and there was some controversy about him using a motor. We're back to the motors issue. Uh, well, Chris, why don't you tell us? We'll take that out and then we'll hit right into uh, to Robe. Um, yeah, I don't think he was using a motor. Wasn't what are you there- getting at? No, I think what was it two, three years ago? There was the um, initial investigations into motor use, and one of the I don't know if it was a French or Spanish news outlet was was doing some heat based uh, filming of of some of the riders, and there was a, a footage clip of Roglic, and his hub was like glowing red, and that was used as evidence for oh, obviously he's using a motor and. His team came back and said, "Well, you know, he's he's not using a motor, and I think that was actually a neutral wheel that he took." So, so Mavic is in on it. <laughs> uh, must be, yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like uh, one of those little oddball rumors just gets stuck to a rider, and it's it's really difficult to shake that. And I think Kurt, you had indicated you saw something on Twitter the day that he won the time trial about motors. Yeah, maybe it was that, that old photo okay. uh, of the yeah. That so it wasn't a new was. allegation. No, and I didn't investigate it any deeper than called him a cheater and moved on. (laughs) That's the way to do it. That's how we we do it here. Uh, So coming up, we're going to do a Perry Robay wrap-up show. Uh, Sagan responds to Boonin. You know, Boonin. Sorry, I interrupt myself all the time. Boonin, you know, brought up the cancelero motor issue. And we did talk about that on the preview show. Uh, So Boonin, I don't know if he had a lot of egg on his face this time, but, you know, Sagan kind of responds to him, taking more than just his show poll and ends up, you know, winning Perry Robay. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to have a conversation. Uh, I'm actually planning it tonight, so we should be able to pop it in on this episode somewhere. And with uh, Sean Bagley, uh, a cyclist with the HSR Racing, prevent- presented by Birdworks team and the promoter of the Mich- Michelob Ultra Sequoia Cycling Classic Race. That's the crit down there in Visalia. So we're going to have a little talk with him about that, mostly about the race. Cool. So here we go. Uh, okay, so Perry Robay. Kurt, we missed your insights onto it. Do you want to make a prediction for who's going to win Perry Bay before we get going? <laughs> I was going to say Sagan. All, I mean, oh, there you go. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I'm glad that all worked out. In fact, you guys, like I said, you guys were had tremendous yes uh, predictive qualities. In fact, I was almost I went back and looked at when the show was recorded because I listened to it late Sunday and I was like, is it is it possible they recorded after? But um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, did, I don't. I'm not going to give a prediction after the race. Well, it's terrible. <laughs> Why is that a? Is well, that I was going to see if you'd at least uh, pick Sagan. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, now I do. Sure. He's got right. those uh, Patrick Reed qualities. With all right, so, his, his yeah, selection. exactly. Um, so I we all watched it. I got up and t- tuned in probably at the most uh, opportune time, uh, 60K to go. And I, I wanted to give my little breakdown of what I think happened, unless you want any one of no, you no, want to kind of talk about it. Go for you it. can talk about what happened before maybe, but what I saw from there was, and I think it was kind of the seminal, seminal thing, and I've, we watched it a few times. Um, Greg Van Avermaet, I think Steve Barr was off the front a little bit, uh, for quick step and Van Avermaet kind of makes a move. The, uh, Terpster, Terpster goes with him. There's kind of some fumbling around and then they're going through the feed zone and Van Avermaet hits it again. And when he does so it causes, I mean, a slight separation, right? Just about, you know, a few hundred, not even a few hundred, a few meters between some groups of about 10 that go with him. And they kind of roll off, and then he kind of sits up, and uh, you look back. None of those quick step guys are then in that front group, but it, it's only like a few bike lengths to the second group. But they're back there. I don't know if they were getting food. And that's when Sagan just powers up the road. He doesn't attack, and he rolls off the front. There's a 36 or so second gap to the four guys up the road. Next thing you know, he's bridging across, and quick step missed that move. I don't know if it was because they weren't up there. You know, Sagan was looking around. Maybe you noticed they're not there. And next thing you know, we have fifty uh, some k of Sagan show. So Quick Step, they ended up with three guys basically in the chase, right? That's what I was going to ask. How many guys did they have in that group? Because there was at least Terpstra and uh, Stebar, Lampert. Um, was there another one up there? I mean, at some point, well, Gilbert, uh, right? Uh, Gilbert, yes, yeah. He was kind of falling off at that point, though. I think I he, came, he came off a little. I'd say in the twenties. Yeah, it was a lot later okay. than that. But Chris had mentioned that he wasn't sure if, you know, between Gilbert and Terpstra, whether or not those two, um, if there was a pecking order established or if they'd work together. And you wonder in a situation like that where there's, you know, you got to make a decision who's going to work if there was anything that happened that caused a, a little delay in that decision making that gave that gap up. I know that they needed to get up there, but by the time they got up to that, that second group that was chasing Sagan, maybe they didn't organize quickly enough. Yeah, and they still had a. I mean, at that point, he's only up the road maybe 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, it was a long way to go. Long way to go. They just, I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, it kind of reminded me, though, I mean, it's Sagan, right? And you've made talk about him. It's not like he's a chump that can't go from a distance. We've seen him do some pretty heroic things. No, but even if you go back to Flanders, what did he do in Flanders? He did something very, very yeah. similar and, and then, then ended, sat up, up. ended up sitting up. So. You know, maybe maybe that plays into it, right? Maybe the guys look at him and say, "Oh, he's going to sit up again." You know, he he's definitely not going to get across. Yeah, I mean, that's but great then, move by then, him. But then, you know, you don't normally see, uh, you know, the world champion who he's no slouch of a world champion, uh, and you don't just necessarily let him roll off the front. When see the difference with the Flanders was Terpstra was up the road, who was a definite danger man. These were yeah. four not so big of a danger, and you get him up there now. He's got guys working with him, so it's a little bit. It, Reminds me, if several years ago, uh, this is when Hincapi was still racing. He was doing the Tour of Flanders, and this is when I was new to Twitter, by the way, and I called him out personally, and he didn't, he didn't respond. But um, it was after the race. It's, it's one of the climbs, and... Nothing's changed. Boonen, yeah, <laughs> Boonen, nothing's changed. Boonen ends up winning, and it was, I forget which climb it was. It was near the, when Boonen took off, and uh, Hincapi says afterwards, he's like, oh, I, I missed the, I just, you know, I missed the winning move. And my thought at the time was, 
Boonin was the only move you needed to really think about and watch. And you you missed that guy. Of course, you missed the winning move. Right. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's similar in this sense, but... Who was the guy on Education First who said he raced a perfect race and went with all the moves he was supposed to go with? I think that was Van Mark. Yeah, yeah. Seth Van Mark. That was an interesting line. Um, after the race, he said, I, I raced a perfect race. I went with everything I, I needed to go with. And it's like... I think Chris said it like, like you, you didn't go with the one move right. that really mattered. I think he also followed that up with, you know, he, he was spent. His legs gave everything they could. So, yeah, he, oh, okay. he definitely missed the move. But. I think maybe as a language pro- interpretation thing there, he should have said or maybe he said, I went with all the moves I could go with. That's possible. That's Actually, not I don't know that he said that because he could have easily gone with Sagan at that moment, but he didn't. Easily. Easily, I I was sitting right. there laying in my bed watching this on my phone. It looked right. like it would be an easy thing. And uh, he had Finney in there with him too, right? I mean, Finney did a great job working, but wonder if he could have pressured Finney to to put in a bigger dig to pull that back. Yeah. So let's let's finish off the race. So we have for the next fifty k, Sagan bridges up uh, one by one. The riders in that group just kind of get spit out on the cobbles and the cobbles are always so interesting you know you're watching a a, a tour de france or a climbing stage and you can see when guys are riding and guys just kind of peel off and you you don't expect the same exact dynamic to kind of happen on a flat road but the cobbles it's it's just like that a little gap opens on the wheel and next thing you know one rider's gone and then two and then dillier was there left with him and they they go into the velodrome dillier's taking all his poles and sagan beats him and once again, track experience. Who had the who had the track experience? <laughs> you guys did call that, yes. Yeah, but I mean, apparently Dillier is a track guy, but clearly he'd been out there for five and a half hours or something. Yeah. That wasn't going to matter. So anyone, uh, since you, you guys saw it from further off than I did, uh, the beginning part, do you want to talk about anything that happened before the first 60, uh, last 60K? Uh, there, there wasn't a lot that I saw. I mean, there was just the usual attack, counter, attack, counter, follow. Um, it looked like Gilbert had ridden on to one of the Sunweb Giant guys' uh, wheel coming out of uh, Arenberg. They got a little gap, um, but it wasn't much to really materialize into anything real threatening. You had a few it, crashes, right? There like, were quite a few crashes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just a few crashes that kind of maybe nicked some guys up or, or took them out. Um, right. But that's... Yeah, probably par for the course on that race. Now, this race has fewer um, headcount per team. Is that right? Correct. They went to seven okay. so this time instead of uh, eight. And, you know, the tour will have like uh, nine to go to eight. Right. So I wonder if that played in any, any yeah. role. In I mean, you could you have one less quick step guy up there. Right. It could make a difference. Or, you know, one of those guys just gets a flat earlier and uh, has to spend some time. You know, Sagan was saying this is the first one he's been through that he hasn't had a flat or some sort of mechanical besides tightening down his head tube. Right. Whatever's going on there. Uh, that, which, you know. That was on purpose, right? I, I thought it was. Well, the tightening was obviously on purpose. But, Chris, you, you're saying that was part of a, the head, the, like a shock tube or something he yeah, had there? Yeah, lockout. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lockout or not. I just know that's where the, the shock is, is located is in the head tube. I don't know if he was trying to you know, eliminate the, the suspension component of it because they were through the, the worst of the cobbles by that point or if it had just shooken itself loose going over the cobbles. I don't know. That was the rumor I heard is that he was locking it out essentially okay. Because they had kind of been over the worst of it, and and then going into the sprint, you obviously really wouldn't want that, right? So. Which would make more sense because I was I was watching him, and I'm like, he's doing like full half turns. I mean, those are it's not just like a little eh, it's tightening it. It's it's a it's a crank down, and right. I'm thinking 
that's the once again that's George Hincapie on the side of the road with your steer tube <laughs> in I, your hands as your front wheel's still going down the road. Right. Um, you know this this is real, I, horrible news about this young Belgian kid that um, ended up having a heart attack. And I heard this morning that the the actual answer was he'd had cardiac arrest that caused the wreck rather than the wreck and then that causing a cardiac arrest. So um, I don't know if that makes, it never makes it any better, but it seems like to me it makes it a little different about, you know, you have a course, is it so dangerous that you guys are crashing and dying? Or, you know, this is something that might've just happened in the scope of his training or something anyway. I'm not going to delve into his medical issue, but horrible situation for that team. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it doesn't make it any better. It's yeah. Michael Golertz of the Veranda Willems Creelan team, 23 yeah, years old, crashed at the 148 kilometer mark remaining in the race. Not good at all. No, no, it's pretty sad. Uh, okay. Let's go, we'll go through some highlights here. Um, speaking of that team, his teammate, uh, Walt Van Ert, looking good. Um, he's got to have a career coming up in, in the classics. Don't you, Jim? <laughs> you think? Yeah. 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 I mean, he looked real good. I mean, he was in the, the chase, the chase group until he, like you said, he drops his chain there and gets dropped out of it. But gosh, he looked strong in that chase group. Like uh, of the, what was it? Six or seven guys that were left there. I think they had, they dropped Finney and he was still there. Um, so maybe he was in the last six or seven. He still looked great. I mean, he looked incredible for a guy that wasn't supposed to have that sort of endurance to go five and a half hours. Um, that's pretty special. Yeah, he's he's had a, a really good classic season. Um, it's it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't be able to land somewhere pretty quick. Yeah, he ended up um, 13th. So he ended up in that same group with Finney, uh, which was 7th. Uh, Finney was 8th, but 7th through uh, 13th was all in the same time, 231 back. So yeah, yeah in a, in, in, he dropped his chain in that through that section. Kind of just, I'm in cross guy dropping his chain i don't know or chain got crossed up or something happened i mean that those roads are horrible yeah it's pretty easy to do if you're making a gear change and you hit something so what do you think about quick step not getting i mean they got on the podium uh which you would almost think that they were i was listening to some podcast i think it was neil rogers i don't know why i'm pointing all these people out but i listened to a lot of podcasts and he was predicting that he thought um quick step to be on the podium he's like 100 percent. so they're gonna and you know they actually did but I feel like they still, even with that, they kind of like don't win. I mean, they obviously don't win, but they it's almost like a failure for them to not be in that uh, move. What do you think about Quick Step's tactics? The thing that, that Kurt pointed out earlier is, is, you know, it seemed like they were leaning on Gilbert to be the leader. He was targeting the race to try and finish up kind of the, the monument sweep. And it just looked like he had run out of gas at, at some of the critical points. And I think... Terpster being a good teammate, having just won Flanders the week before, kind of got what he wanted out of the season, was looking to work for Gilbert, and it may have cost them a better result, uh, where it seemed like, based on the way Terpster finished, he probably had the engine to, to motor across to Sagan. Um, had he done that, he probably would have lost the sprint. Um, maybe if Terpster had kind of taken a little uh, incentive and attacked before Sagan did, it may have worked out in their favor. It's, it's, it's really hard to say. It seems like maybe they put the eggs in the wrong basket on the, on that one. Kurt? I don't think he was going to motor across. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say he had the legs of the motor across. If he did, he would have done it. Um, I mean, they lost Gilbert at like 20 K to go right around there. Didn't, didn't he come off? He came off early enough that Terpstra knew 
he needed to make a yes. move. So, um, I don't know. I, it, it, I'll go back to the definitive moment when Sagan took off and they weren't there. They catch up to that group and then it didn't seem like they organized their three or four guys to pull it back right away. They were looking for everybody to work together there and, and I think they needed to make a decision quickly and, you know, bit them. So. Yeah, and sometimes you play your tactics right and you still lose. I mean, sometimes sure. Sagan, I mean, Sagan was just super that much strong. better. I mean, the, the chasing was, was on and they were not bringing that back at all. Right. Another interesting point was there was that wreck that happened. I'm trying to remember how far in, but it was maybe the 40K or so mark with took out Christoph and uh, Tony Martin was still there. Right. And those are two guys that might have offered some firepower to at least help the cause, right? And I blame Quickstep for that. I mean, we don't like to place blame on who causes wrecks here on the cycling podcast, but between two wheels. But it looked like to me it was Lampert or one of those guys was, or Terpstra himself was swerving at the front for no apparent reason. They weren't on the cobbles, but um, I mean, there, there probably was a reason. Took down a bunch of guys and boom, there go some, some people they can help. Yeah, and uh, poor Tony Martin. I don't think he's had a really good cobble experience in in any race no uh, he's always seeming to to hit the deck somewhere and i don't know if he had a, a teammate left in the group at that point tony um but yeah he's definitely a guy that could have put in a big dig to to help pull that back well they did because there was still a uh nils pollett okay ended up seventh place he was in that group with finney uh for katusha so he was there was at least him he was still there yeah hmm. all right so um Greg Van Avermaet, <clears throat> top 10. He looked like he was active. Didn't have quite the classics the season he had last year. But I don't I don't always um, put blame on him. I mean, it just didn't look like he had the fitness. It looked like he was still, you know, doing what he could. for. It's kind of like Seth Van Mark, you know, not having all the, the, the energy going. Um, but not being able to – but, you know, you get a top 10 when you're defending your, your title. That's not so bad. Um, what about the team, though? I don't see much BMC up there with him in the the waning hours yeah i mean they they lost daniel oss last year or this year so he was a big workhorse for avermat who's now a big workhorse for sagan so yeah he's he might be a little thin on support so what about some teams that didn't show any any uh i i'll just point out right to me i i take a cursory look here sky they have dylan van barl at uh 19th place and no no one else in the top 40 that's a deeper analysis than what I could do. I was just going to say, I don't well, like I just that was blue patch on the back of BMC's kit. That feels like an afterthought, right? Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, if, if you want to look at problems they're having this year, start there. <laughs> start there. Well, the the tag here, here or Howard, or I don't know what the name of the, uh, on their arm, the green is a little offsetting as well. Right, it's there's just a couple of spots that it just doesn't make any sense. It's as if I had designed it. Right. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> Not well done. Like we did our own. Yeah, you know, I didn't didn't point this out when we were talking about the uh, tour of the Basque Country or whatever it's called now. That Richie Port was in that race. Never saw him do anything. So an interesting uh, build up to the tour. Just keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, Mitchelton Scott though, they Trenton um, Trentine, he he crashed and went down. All right, I heard something about busted his spine or something. Yeah, he fractured bad? his thoracic spine. Uh, I've read. <laughs> I've read <laughs> he's already on the bike. You you can you walk that off? Yeah. Just a little ice. No, I think he's probably out for a little for for a few months or something. Um, not a good crash for him. All right. So the weather wasn't so bad. It wasn't a you know. Tor- did you did you guys enjoy it? Did you enjoy the race? I did. Um, the time makes it difficult to really be 
super engaged with what's going on. I mean, I, I probably watched two hours, two and a half hours of it, and I probably slept for 45 minutes of that. Just like <laughs> trying to focus and then doze off and you wake up and you see, oh, okay, the gap's still where it is. I can go back to sleep for another 10 minutes and and, and kind of see what, what's going on. But it was a, a great race, but at the same time, just, you know, Sagan going at 55K or whenever he went just kind of ended the excitement. I mean, he just... There wasn't a lot of will he, won't he get caught. It was pretty clear. Okay, he's not coming back. Well, the announcers tried. They sure with, did. With like it depends 10, on who you listen to, right? Yeah, well, on the NBC Sports Gold app, um, whoever those those announcers were, they with like 10K to go, Phil and Paul. Um, the chase group sort of organized and they got it down. You know, that ticker is so off anyways. But, they, they you know, they had ticked it from 46 seconds to 44, so the chase was on. Um, and, you know, it was going to be a squeaker, but clearly nothing had changed and you know Sagan was still trading poles with uh, Dillier at that point and you figured if it really got close he would have really put in a big dig but um I don't want to say it was an easy win for Sagan but Dillier was really nice to to work with him as yeah. much as he did so yeah any comments about uh Dillier and his, uh, what is he going to do in that situation what do you do you I I, th- I was texting with uh, you weren't paying attention, but at least Chris was responding at the time. I'm like, at what point is the manager going to tell Dillier to uh, just sit on? But then, when are you going to get a chance to get second in Perry Robey either? That's what I think he was thinking. Is if if he did, he did so much work that I do believe that Sagan may have said, "I'm cool with bringing you to the line," even though that is ri- that is very risky. But you're also Peter Sagan, and you're <laughs> you're sprinting. You know, Dillier, who I, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen Dillier in a sprint. So I'm guessing Sunday. Sagan was <laughs> probably pretty confident. I um, think he beat uh, Stoyven in a in a heads-up stage sprint recently. Okay. But I'm if I'm Peter Sagan, I'm, I probably feel pretty good about that. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we talked about that on the preview. Like, at some point, it's almost your responsibility, Sagan, to help, you know, drag these. You want to get to the line. You are one of the best finishers at over 250K, right? The odds are pretty good. And I think he has track experience. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> He's he been must. on the velodrome before. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was cool to see them work together and Dillier not shirk any of his poles. Um, he probably would have been better served to not lead out the entire last <laughs> kilometer and a half or whatever it was. But it's hard to it's hard to sprint when your neck's jammed right. over to the left. That like might have been part of their agreement was, you know, I'll get you to the velodrome and then I'm going to get you in the sprint. Uh, so maybe he just felt obligated to sit on the front if they had any type of uh, agreement for for working together. I, I really think it was one of those where he was you know, he had last call to even be in Perry Bay. He's up there, uh, two hundred some k off the front. He's feeling pretty good. See Sagan roll up. They're still rolling out. He's dropping everyone else, and he's like, "When is this going to happen?" I mean, unless if he flats, I'm going to keep going. What if he flats? Yeah. What if that stem that is yeah. What if that stem breaks and uh, you know, and then I'm solo and I'm I've got to win and maybe I get him in a sprint. You know, Sagan actually said he was starting to cramp up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good for yeah, him. Maybe you. You get to, you get to go down in the history and you look back and you know, uh, you have. Um, Terpstra who's won it before he's in third place Sagan world champion who's obviously won it this time and you're sandwiched in between that's a pretty good photo to take home no that's great yeah. you're right and maybe maybe when Sagan's tightening his head tube or something you're like <laughs> 
pretty sure it's left. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you want to spin that yeah. to the left. I don't know. You know, like maybe something crazy like that. It's one yeah. of those reverse threaded headsets, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got that wrong. Okay, so uh, let's pick up some winners and some losers for the the Perry Bay. Uh, Chris, you want to go first? Yeah. So um, obviously we can pick some some clear winners, but uh, I'll, I'll go a little deeper in the results sheet for uh, Tongi Terji. Now, probably doesn't bless mean you. much. Yeah. So he came in with a, an exciting 42nd place, 12 minutes, 15 seconds back, finished uh, with his brother, Jimmy Terji. Now, the thing that's interesting about from? him is uh, they're from France. He rides for uh, Vital Concept Club. Okay. I know. 19 years old. Yeah. Youngest finisher of the race in the last 50 years. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I don't think I could have finished Paris-Roubaix. No, you're getting kicked out of college. That's times. true. <laughs> I did go back. Uh, but no, yeah, oh, I mean, that that's, really? that's an impressive result to to pull that off at, at 19 years of age. I mean, it's yeah. It's, and that's and, well for, and 40th. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty good. I heard this morning they were saying that some guy came in. He was an hour down and the velodrome was locked <laughs> and he he wanted he wanted to go around and finish. So they actually opened it up and he went around. Now, there was actually 12 people that got time cut, which almost seems travesty for uh, for Perry Bay, But. Good for this guy. 12 minutes down, 19 yeah. years old. That's, that's stellar. Youngest guy in 50 years to finish the race. That is very impressive. Kurt, what do you have for a winner? Um, I had Peter Sagan, but I'd also note uh, Taylor Finney. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't think anybody expected him to be there. You guys had mentioned that on the the you know predictions podcast that he was either done or, or this might be a chance for him to kind of have some redemption. And that was a lot better race than I would have ever expected out of him. Uh, so... He would probably get my winner. Uh, he's got to be feeling good about how that all went. Oh, yeah. I think Tyler said he's over. <laughs> it was a question. And, you know, I, I went back because I was like, oh, that's a little harsh. But yeah, I listened to that. And we're, first of all, we're the only prediction show that I've found that even talked about Taylor Finney, okay? And if you listen to that, while we have a little facetious, you know, look, what did he, what has he done to, to show that he's, you know, here? The comment then was, if he's going to be there in the last whatever, I think he, he can be really helpful. And um, he was. I feel like Bicycling Magazine probably had him on the cover of the Paris <laughs> Roubaix edition or something. Yeah, well, they, that, that show, that they put that out like, you know, five years ago. But okay. you know, they, they post out in advance. Well, congratulations um, on naming the only American. Yeah. And adding him to your American podcast. Uh, no, no. For, I'd just like to say, I'm, I'm pre- it was pretty awesome to see uh, Taylor up there. And it was cool to see him riding the way he was, pretty strong, doing what he did. And it, was, it sucked when he came off the, the group because he was he had been doing a big pull. And yeah. then right when, um, I don't know, Terpster or someone else came blowing by, they kind of did a little mini attack. And you could just, you know, we've all been there. We were on the front. And then the next guy comes through too hard. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, that was, yeah, that was, a, that was exactly what it was. It was like that moment where it's like, wow, really? Why, why are you going to do this to me? Yeah. Like, we're, we've all been out here for five hours together. And now you're going to drop me. Yeah. Um, but, but he hung on and, and finished up, you know, eight. That's pretty impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, good for him. Uh, my so my winner is I'm going to pick uh, Sylvain De- Dillier, the the Swiss champ, just for being in the break for so damn long, putting it on the line like we talked about. I mean, there's a lot of winners you can take from this race, um, but you know, Sagan obviously is that one was, of them. That was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's there's one there. How about some losers, Chris? Do you have any uh, losers? Uh, yeah. There, there's a few. Um, uh, instead of going with with loser per se, I'll just say this poor guy can't seem to catch a, a good result, and I always just feel bad for Seth Van Mark after these. I think he's always just right there and just can't ever 
land the top spot, unfortunately. So so maybe one of these years he'll he'll land a result at Flanders or Roubaix. Yeah, that that's uh, kind of sucks that you had to pick him. <laughs> Kurt, was that a couple of losers? Do you want to pick another one? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, okay, I was just saying there's there's many to pick from, but Ma- pick another one. Okay, okay. Tom Bonin. Uh, good, I like it. <laughs> was he in the race? He wasn't in the race, okay. but he was the special advisor for Lotto. Lotto Sadal, and I think they had a guy in the top ten, but they were just kind of absent for most of the race and. I don't know. Maybe that's his strategy. It's the Peter Sagan sit in for a win strategy. I don't know. Yeah, a little egg on his face. <laughs> Second time you mentioned I, that. I, I, um, the little uh, schmutz on his face. I don't know. Since, since we can name people who weren't in the race, I'm going to name <laughs> <laughs> the developers for the NBC Sports Gold app uh, that worked on the Apple TV application specifically and the fast forward function, which yeah. doesn't have the ability no. to just like slide forward. You have to literally tap twice to get 15 seconds forward. So it's 480 taps for every hour of coverage. It's ridiculous, and it's it's the primary reason that I watched more Paris Roubaix this year <laughs> than I probably wanted to. Paris Roubaix, I'm going to start calling it that. No, Perry Roubaix. I, no, that 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 does a blow. You could have pulled it up on your computer though and scrolled through on that one. I, I was already that, laying down. I was already laying down. You have down. a laptop. What what? I was in my living room. Oh. I didn't want to go grab a laptop. I was watching it on the big screen, and I gotcha. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll even go back further. So to begin the morning, I went to watch it, and I know it's going to be right near the end. And I pull it up on the NBC Sports app on my Apple TV, and it, then it wants me to authenticate that yeah, I. You've got to pre- get this done ahead of time. And then by the time I authenticated it, it's Sagan laying his bike down in the velodrome. It's already over. <laughs> it was awful. That was terrible. Wait, Sagan won. Yeah. Oh, did. Okay. he did end up winning. I, I'm picking Team Sky just because I know they're they're pre- preliminary, <laughs> primarily a Tour de France type of team, but they were. You can't go there. I mean, you you have a big budget. You could get a few guys to show up to this race. I think what Garrett Thomas was going to be their hope. That was their they their had good results. That was going to be their well. deal. Yeah, I mean, Standard have. got third two years ago. Well, the 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 guy they left to show it pulling out as the uh, the racist. Um, he he was like what fourth there oh, last Johnny year? Johnny Moscon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was there this this year as well. I think he may have crashed. Yeah, I mean, cra- and that's what we've talked about. Crashes obviously take people out. Okay, so that's that's our uh, wait. Things that get make you go, hmm. Did you guys like that last time? That was uh, yeah, that was a lot of Pulled production. That one out. What, what do you have for that, Chris? So I don't know if you guys uh, watched the the race through the end to the podium presentation, but it was a little over the top. Something I hadn't seen before. Uh, there was a pyrotechnic show. Sagan Stone came out from underneath the stage and was kind of like elevated up to him for for his presentation. It was it was different. Uh, not something I had expected for that race, which is usually a little more traditional. Was there a sword in the stone that he had to pull out? To like... No, he pretended to drop <laughs> it though when it was handed to him. Oh, that's funny. Did they have uh, podium girls there? Yeah, Ronda, I Ronda so. Rousey. I think they <laughs> supplemented the pyrotechnic show for that. Okay, Ronda Rousey. Well, said, Any, anything for you, Kurt? Uh, the the thing I liked, I saw Sagan lay his bike down in the velodrome, which um, helped me understand that he probably didn't have a motor in it because he just left it there and walked away, and I thought that was a good thing. And then I saw a picture online of... Uh, Terps, the bike is just like against a wall and Terpstra goes up and like feels the tires like to see how much pressure was They're in solid. That that made me well, it's kind of like one of those things that makes you wonder what he's thinking. So Well mine mine is uh just trying to pull this out here. Um, you know, the, the velodrome and they, they take the showers there and I guess the <laughs> whole concept is 
they're not doing that much anymore. But back in the day, you know, they were all, they'd be in the showers and they'd have all the interviews right there. And I heard Gilbert this morning, he was one of the last few that still do it. And he's basically saying it's, it's the romance and it's how you were taught to do it. And it's, it's part of the race. And he just takes in this history and he's taking a shower there in those crappy little outdoor velodromes or whatever there, uh, showers and, uh, just kind of living part of the race and, uh, kind of have a little appreciation for that. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, you've always said you started this podcast with the hopes that you could get credentials someday and be there in those showers. In the showers, yeah. yeah. I'd wear my uh, rubber boots, though. <laughs> okay, so that, that's pretty much it for the preview show. Uh, or sorry, the wrap-up show that we have going for this. Uh, let's just go through quickly some of the upcoming races that we have on the calendar. It's, it's a great portion we've got going right now. Uh, some of the classics, I think, uh, De Brandt, I don't even know how to... Pill. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up this week. And then Wednesday. we got some of the, the Arden classics. The, I'll get uh, the next one. Amstel Gold yes, on the, the 15th. <laughs> and then, then uh, Kurt's, uh, Chris's favorite one. The, the Trobro Leone. Dude, you you mentioned that. And then you sent the, about the guy that won. And the, and Damien Caudine. I'll have to link it up here on our YouTube. Uh, a little link that someone can click on that part. That That is the most... It's like he's an epileptic coming across the line <laughs> in his part of his post up. It's crazy. That's the most excited win I think I've seen. And you it's did. Great. You you saw the um Primus Roge like crash, right? Yeah. Was that did I oversell it or not? <laughs> I didn't I didn't you watch didn't the video. It? I think I was sick. I, I expected it I mean it's it's a terrible looking crash, but it almost looks like it's the first time he's ever been on skis. The well, he was oh, off the he jump. Was, he was in the air. The ski jumping, yes. Yeah. That was that was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and like Chris said, it doesn't look like he was a professional ski jumper. It looks like somebody just said, let's see if you can do this and pushed him down the hill. I got to go do cycling. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. So we have Amstel Gold, Trobo Bro Leon, uh, Flesh Wallone coming up on the 18th, Liege, Bastion Liege on the 22nd. Uh, the Nevada City Classic on June. Wait, that's that's that world tour. <laughs> you said upcoming classics. That's a classic. That's upcoming. <laughs> that's upcoming. Uh, then the upcoming stage races. We have Tour of the Alps on the 16th to the 20th. Tour of Romandy 24 to 29. Tour to Yorkshire starting in May there. And then we have the Giro, and we'll have to do a full on Giro preview show. Will Froome race or will he not? I don't know. That's that's mm. the big question. And domestically on the calendar, we have the Joe Martin stage race, uh, 12th to the 15th in the USA. Great race. If you ever get a chance to go do it, go do it. Exciting. So this weekend, um, we've been promoting the, sh- the hell out of some of these races. So Auburn, we got Winchester and Auburn crits. And then the same day, you have the juggernaut down there. We're going to talk to Chris, uh, Sean Bagley, uh, the Sequoia Classic in Kingston. Is it Kingston or Kingsburg? Kingsburg. Kingsburg. Yeah. It's got the Scott Kingsburg uh, crit the day before. Um, you guys signed up for any and all of those? All of them. All four. It's going to be a traveling commute. mess. So oh, I, I, I... Go ahead. Be my guest. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'll probably end up doing the local stuff just because my, my schedule doesn't allow much else. Yeah. And, and weather. What's it going to be like, Mark Finan? <laughs> uh sunday looks a little dicey sunday looks like there's a chance of some rain so uh at least it's not a technical crit on sunday <laughs> it's true right i can't can't imagine what could go wrong I, I i already i don't know why i mean i i'm like oh i got a reg for these so i pre-regged and not i mean i could have just done it the day of but i really wanted to support like i said i wanted to support these races so i'm regged for winchester and auburn and if it's wet at Auburn, it could be, I might, you come down that hill and you have a left turn with those hay bales. You may just, they may just open the hay bales. <laughs> let me go right down the alley. 
Yeah, that would, that, that would be the spot that I think everybody would be concerned about. Although the next right-hand turn is not much better. There is, uh, or, or the, the right-hand right turn. After that. Yeah. Or the left before, or the right hand at the top of the hill. The All uphill should be fairly safe, though. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, so good luck out. Any any uh, last parting thoughts or any other races you want to talk about? Bike racing? Is Are stuff you racing, going? Kurt, this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do Saturday. We'll see all the weather shows on Sunday. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Chris, any uh, any what's your bike activity for the week? Let, I want to get this out there so people can stalk you properly. I'm probably going to swap out my wheels today for aluminum wheels because it looks like there's a chance of rain tonight and tomorrow. And I'd like to be able to use my brakes. Uh, okay. And I, I struggle a little bit with the carbon wheels there. Yeah, they, they don't do as well. Disc brakes, maybe you and Zimni can work on something. It's a collaboration. Sounds like a plan. Kurt, what's your bike uh, activity for the week look like? Try and hit all the race rides that are available that aren't on on the rainy days. I mean, that's it. I'm glad you're feeling better, too. And we missed you on Sunday. We did a ride. I, I literally think I broke part of my heart, but I, it, it, repa- <laughs> it repaired itself mid-ride, and I was, I was good to go. Probably get that checked out. Uh, my wife seems to think the same thing but <laughs> scary all right well thanks guys for both coming in thank you thank and uh, you. thanks everyone for listening share the show find it and pass it around subscribe subscribe on our that's the best thing to actually do right subscribe you'll get the feed automatically in your podcast service or up on youtube so thanks everyone bye